Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another show of Renovating Riches Radio in Spanish, Renovando Riquezas. And we have someone here in the house today that's going to teach us a lot about private investing. So, Ricardo, uh, you want to introduce our guest today? Have you guys ever seen how a bank looks like? Here's one sitting right <laughs> next to me. Mr. Rick is a private investor and a, and a, and a private lender in the Houston area. And uh, but he's also an investor, so he's he's got he's kind of have different hats that he mm -hmm. wears uh, from time to time, and he's uh, also a sponsor for the event in Katy. That's correct. Uh, which we we had our first event in um, uh, back in about two or three weeks ago, and it was a complete success. So uh, we thank him for uh, being a sponsor and for being on the on the show today. And we gotta start with the questions, Rick. Who is Rick Bressler? Social security number, bank account number, all of that stuff. All right. Take notes. Get your pencils <laughs> out. <laughs> so, uh, hi, everybody. Ricardo, thanks for uh, having me over. Um, yeah, we're uh, Katie Capital Investments. We're primarily a private money lender. Okay. In the uh, Houston, Galveston, Beaumont area. But I started my real estate career. Maybe soon you'll start loaning in West Columbia. You know, we got a couple of properties West? out there that need a little bit of love. <laughs> Brazoria know? County, please. Yeah, Brazoria County. Why not? I consider that part of the greater Houston area, right? Okay. Uh, it goes all the way to Dallas, really, right? See, it's not just us that consider Brazoria um, part of the greater Houston area. Now, when you get into Bay City, I, I, yeah, that's debatable. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, you know, all the Houston area, you can lend money and we're going to get into like how and and why but um keep keep with your story about how you started with uh katie capital investments all right well it goes way back to the mid 80s so i started flipping houses back in the mid 80s uh i took money borrowed from my 401k went down to the courthouse and bought my first house in katie for eighteen thousand two hundred and one dollars wow. that's an assignment now <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was you it, it was you and Ray Sasser right there, just the two yeah, of you. They, they were bumping into each other, you know, like who's buying or, or the queen of foreclosure or whatever. I don't know. Linda, Linda. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this house is probably worth a hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy thousand really? dollars today. Oh at but, the but, time it was a forty five thousand dollar mortgage that uh was getting foreclosed on. The lender won eighteen two and we offered eighteen two oh one. Okay. Got it. No competition <laughs> back in the days where it was no Easy. competition down there. Nobody knew about real estate pretty much. And then I put about $1,500 into it and sold it for 32000 And what was $1,500 compared to today's money? Well, it was had some termite damage okay. and had to do a little bit of paint and cut lipstick. the grass. Pretty uh, much it, lipstick. It, uh, yeah. And sold for $32,000. Which to me at the time in the mid '80s was a lot of oh money. Oh my God! Right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> so it's, that was my it's crack. Still, it's still a lot of money, man. Come oh. on. <laughs> so that was my crack cocaine addiction, right there. Right. Once you get a taste of that, um, then the very so I took that money, went right back down to the foreclosure sale, and bought another house for twenty-seven thousand dollars. Okay. Put another whopping thousand dollars. Again, this is in Katy, <laughs> wow. just over by the Walmart, just north of Ten and Fry Road. I don't even think closing Ten. costs. Which Walmart again? There's a Walmart on I-10 and Fry Road. In okay. Katie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So these are all right behind there. These old three two two four two two starter yeah, homes. Yeah, great area too. Went and put another fifteen hundred dollars into it, and a cash buyer came and bought for forty five thousand. So I thought, 
man, I'm about ready to quit my job. Now I'm in the oil and gas field. Right. I, I was going to get there. You know, if you could stay, you know, just a step back. If you're in the 80s in Houston, I sh I'm going to assume, are you local from the Houston area? Or? No, I was um, born in the Midwest, went to the University of Kansas, got a chemical engineering degree. Okay. okay. Came down right out of college, started working for Phillips Petroleum Company. Okay. Back in 1979. So, yeah, I am old. And, <laughs> I'm uh, not that old. But I always had a passion for real estate. And uh, I was just one of those one of those guys. The only thing there was no classes back then, right? There was some cassette tapes or eight track tapes or whatever right. back in the day on TV. But there was a, a, a track. Uh, oh, same tape. now you're 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 you're, you're getting he, him. He on. said it. Yeah, I didn't that, say it. He that, said it. It was. They say vinyl. Uh, I mean, programs in vinyl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we 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 just learned by doing back then. And. Um, but being an engineer m mentality, I could fix stuff. Right. And so this stuff was, you know, it's just sheetrock, wood, it's easy, starter mm -hmm. homes. There's nothing magical about putting lipstick on those things and, and selling them. So that was easy. So we just, we started doing a lot of that in the 80s. Uh, and then that's when I started partnering up with our lawyer at work and our marketing rep at work. So we had four guys pulling our money together. I'd take off on Tuesday, go down to the courthouse, buy a foreclosure, and we'd go fix it, sell it. So, wash, rinse, and repeat. So you started crowdfunding pretty much. Um, when crowdfunding wasn't when a, even crowdfunding a word. crowdfunding didn't even exist, <laughs> you know? Or, or the term yeah. wasn't coined. Like, yeah. <laughs> and we were, yeah, we were, so we were having a lot of fun, and we were making a lot of money. And, you know, numerous times I thought about getting out of the old patch. But the problem with the old patch is it's just when it starts booming, man, they start throwing money at you, and uh, they pay you too much to quit. Yeah. So um, we'd go through peaks and valleys. Uh, we'd get busy, then I'd take some time off. Uh, get busy, take some time off. Um, but it wasn't until the last 2009, 2010, where we really got busy. Because mm -hmm. once that crash happened, we just backed the truck up and bought a bunch of property. And then we refinanced it and got all of our money back. And then it's like, well, now what am I going to do? Right. <laughs> and a guy said, well, I've got a deal in the woodlands. I need to borrow $240,000. And I said, okay. You know, and we didn't know what we were doing, but we made the loan, and we started getting $2,400 a month interest. And I was going, hmm. That's pretty nice. That's pretty nice. And I tell a buddy about it, and then it's amazing how this thing just spread. Uh, he had another guy that was building four townhomes down um, kind of in the Heights area. He had $800,000 of his own money and was tapped out. He right. needed a loan. No banks would loan to him. So we would do a, a, a $400,000 gap fund. Gap funding. But we're in first position oh, because there's no yeah, finance. Right. You know, the guy yeah, in cash. So, so now I'm getting $4,000 a month on that. I'm getting, I'm getting $6,400 a month of interest only, yep. not doing anything. Yeah, we got a few <laughs> lenders that get that much from us. Uh, and that, that's how we got that's how we got started and then uh, we went to school and um so we grew from those two loans to now we've got 35 to 40 loans out at any one time okay um we have oil and gas partners mm -hmm. primarily a um, couple retired folks who've come in and now we've got a six million dollar fund okay that we loan out you know in the houston galveston area primarily now when it, i think i heard you say you went and study for it so you got your 
your certification as a no i just got my youtube certification i started looking at everything right <laughs> that's what i'm talking Talk, about talking Ta- to people networking talking about taking uh. action man because most people they they got to get hung up on oh i got to take this class or i study this or whatever and you just went on youtube educated yourself maybe watch different videos from different people doing it and talk to bankers right because the bankers and basically we mimic what the banks do we not, you know, we're not full doc like the banks, right? But we take the same uh, precautions, right? We right. do the same due diligence as the banks would do, mm-hmm. and that's what now uh, now our partners have the confidence because we do it just like banks would do it, right? Not, but not the full doc. We don't go that far, right? It's it's, it's asset based, but then asset based is really misleading. It's really the borrower, right? Mm-hmm. Ricardo, I'll loan to you, right? There are certain people I won't loan to, right? <laughs> right? 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 You know, we're you know, there's a term out there, loan to own or predatory mm-hmm. lending. We're not about that at all. We do not want a property back. No, no, because you, you want them to perform. Otherwise, they're not going to keep buying. Mm-hmm. Number two, you got to go foreclose on a property now that might not be finished or whatever. So you're going to inherit a problem back on you. So I completely understand what you're saying. And he already he already ditched the fixing and flipping back in the 80s, I guess. Well, well, not necessarily, because you still do some projects well, some, sometimes, right? So having the flipping background is a big help, right? So oh, we've, got, we've got a couple of different buckets, right? So eventually the investors out there want to get several buckets. you got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, wholesaling is a you know, place to start. You get some cash. I hate to see these guys give up good rentals, right? Because mm-hmm. the rentals is what's going to make you wealthy. Yeah. You know, cash flow, you know, Mr. Stevens kind of said, you know, you don't – ever retire on real cash flow in my opinion because you got too many expenses coming up this that and the other you can't count on it right the toilet the ac is gonna go bad something will happen it's, but that's how you create wealth right mm-hmm. so if you can afford to not make money right on your rentals and just let those things go in value get paid by themselves with the, the tenant maybe a couple of hundred dollars uh, cash flow if that uh, sometimes is it's more sometimes it's less but it's going to create that equity that you're looking for you're going to own the property once that loan is paid for right so we so we've got a a rental bucket Mm -hmm. and we and after four or five years usually a house needs to be rehabbed again right Mm so we'll decide whether or not we want to rehab that property and rent for another while or go ahead and sell it as is seller financed right and we'll offer on those deals just usually 30-year loans some of those deals we have cash we got paid for cash some of them we got leveraged so we'll we'll, uh subject to to those and that way we get that 30-year income stream and you're able to sell that obviously for a nice premium because of the seller financing right so we'll we have that bucket um but every once in a while a, a borrower will come to me and say i can't do this one or man i'm afraid of it and one of them was uh it was a house that an nba basketball player owned up in the woodlands okay the poor guy he put eight hundred thousand dollars into it at closing it went for 260 we paid 260 for it he walked away with 180, and the house was only four years old. Wow! The poor guy—he was a basketball player, but he wasn't a businessman. His people weren't didn't have his back. Yeah, they screwed him up. Oh, because uh, the, the contractors killed him, right? Right. You can do in this business, you can do everything right. And if you got a bad contractor, yeah, you are in deep trouble. I know. And this. <laughs> Right. If we've been in the business long enough, we all know this. And the poor guy just got caught up in this, right? And his poor four-year-old house and was falling down. They probably get caught up in it on the, one of the first few deals they do, 
and that's it for them. You know, they they're like, oh no, I won't do this. And I remember for me, it was on my first deal. I got completely wiped out. Um, I just, I, I, I just, I had enough stomach to finish it, put it for rent, and let it rent for four years. And then when I sold it, I realized I had a slam dunk because a house that had been, it was free and clear, number one. Uh, rented at 900 bucks a month. I was in it for maybe 60,000. But when I sold it, I sold it for like almost 100 grand. So when you do the math, I tripled my money in four years. But I, I had to wait four years to get there. The first year was all losses because uh, I was into it for more than what I was supposed to. My, the AC guy stole money away from me. Uh, the foundation guy did, did the same. Because back then, back in 2000, I started in 2008 when everything was going to shambles and there were more predators out there than contractors pretty much and everybody was wearing a contractor's ball cap and i was just naive enough to not know what to do i didn't have a mentor either so i can only imagine that somebody goes and buys a house like that is one i don't know if that's the case but it was maybe one of the built built from scratch from a high school friend of his oh so his high school (laughs) friend was a builder built his house and the um Bottom line was he didn't know how to make the house watertight. Okay. And four years, he had so much wood rot, this 6,500-square-foot house was getting ready to come come down. They put – anyway, it was um, – we came in there because um, the man engineer, we got to come in there. We got 11 22-ton jacks mm-hmm. holding up a good portion of this house while we're tearing out major beams that had been gotten wet over four years and were failing and uh, replaced all this substructure – uh, pretty cool, and we made we made a nice. <laughs> yeah, old. it was pretty cool for you. <laughs> I, I wonder what that guy was thinking about, you know. But he well, he got. I mean, he was. He had no chance of ever doing that on doing his own. anything. He was well, going to lose it one way or another. Well, his problem was he was no longer making the money. Right. And he was getting into financial trouble again. His people didn't have his back. Yeah, yeah. And uh, which is a shame, right? So, uh, I felt bad for him, but. At least we, uh, the property was a beautiful property. So we how did you guys end up doing with that one? Well, we did good. We, um, that was a deal where we had to offer my lending partners a nice bonus at the end. Right, we an off- equity. We offered them the 25% bonus on, on whatever the property uh, profits were. And um, so uh, their return, so it was about five, we had about $525,000 into it. Uh, sold the property in the 720 range. Okay. And um, so yes. they got so the lenders got about twenty five percent return on their money. Okay. For about a seven month loan. That's not bad. And, and you actually moved it quite fast for a seven hundred and some thousand dollar home. They don't move as fast anymore. Well, that's my thing. You know, <clears throat> now you and I will argue. I know um, Ray will argue with me, um, but we like guys to get in, get the job done, and get out. Right. Because your holding costs are. Yeah. Some of these guys want. Oh, I want nine month, twelve month loan on a. $200,000 house. And I was going, why? You've got six months of, hold, of excess holding costs. That's profit. You know, you, um, yeah, but I'm taking all the risk. I got to do this. I got to do that. Uh, so, I mean, I understand both sides. But for us, we want the guys that can execute, get in, get out, get the house finished, get on the market, sell it, mm-hmm. and maximize the profit. Because I just don't think you're setting them up for success. Now, the guys like you, that you got 500 deals on the board. Right. Now, this for you guys, I was just looking at his board, right? This guy's nuts. This guy's got two walls 
of deals on the wall, right? So yeah. he needs a little time. More than what we want, <laughs> trust me. Uh, Knocking it out of the park. Yeah, he, you were asking me, it's like, why are you not buying those? I said, man, I can't. I just got too many right now. Uh, the, the, the reality is, is that we, we asked for 12 months loans, not because we're not going to finish the house fast enough, but the houses are sitting longer in the market. So in six months, I'm going to have to go talk to that lender and say, hey, my house hasn't sold. And the lender is like, well, guess what? You got to renew the loan now. Give me another point or two points. And, and now you're like, oh, man, you know, I got to pay the mortgage plus points. And We just closed on one today yeah. that was in the market since June. So, yeah, at, I mean, what is it that, like five months? Yeah. And we had the house for another four months. Um, it was a bigger home, 3,000 square feet. Uh yeah, so house house rehab work was done probably in about four months, right? Uh, five months. Yeah. With the pool and all that, but yeah, it sat in the market for another five months. So I mean, and we kept lowering the price, trying to move it. And we had another so. <laughs> another property, two properties in Spring and Jersey Village that they just sat there forever. And we were we had the best price, we had the best product. They they're just sitting longer in the market. So so. That's that's exactly what's happening right now. It's a lot of investors need to understand we're basically in a buyer's market and we yeah. haven't been in a buyer's market in six seven years mm -hmm. but the, the, there's been a paradigm shift a lot of my borrowers are having that same problem and if the house is done on the market then we don't hit them with extension fees mm -hmm. uh if they're messing around and not getting the job done or uh, working on something else you know it's like okay well then the extension fees are going to hit but if you got the, the house done and you're trying to sell it and you know it's, it's always negotiable right but we work with them and uh we just had a guy do a house in katie and beautiful house it's just that katie area in the five hundred thousand dollar price oh, range forget it. is just a uh, dogfight it's not moving right now and he lowered it about seventy thousand dollars to sell it and he'll probably lose twenty thousand thirty thousand dollars in the deal hmm. but um he has no choice because now you get into the winter season it's just it's going to get worse before it gets better yes and I your holding costs, and he's just, you know, he's a oil and gas, uh, oil and gas guy, smart guy, um, but the market moved, right? You got in. Shifted on him. And uh, that's where you have to be, because this is a little ARV lesson, right? Yeah. Those ARVs are coming from the last six months. But if the market's moving, it's not reflecting that moving market. And I'm seeing people come up with me now and saying, hey, this is the appraisal, this, I got this, I got that. I said, yeah, but... Those houses were moving in May, April, June, in the peak of the market. You're coming into December, January, February. Where no one's buying. <laughs> and, no one, and the market's turned, right? So those ARVs, I mean, don't believe it. You know, you really have to think about the uh, ups and downs of the market, where we're at, what we're going into. So if you got $200,000, $100,000, those houses will always move. Mm -hmm. Those houses, and you got multiple exit strategies. Those are good rentals, right? You have a four or five hundred thousand dollar house. You don't want to put that money into it and rent it and have it. No, no, no. Yeah, you you you're, you got one exit yep. strategy, right? That's it. You got to flip, or you owner finance it. Uh, so. That owner that buys a house like that might not destroy it because they're usually, you know, they 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 tend to look after properties much better. It, it's more money. They got more money into the deal. Uh, we got one that we're gonna owner finance for uh, probably three hundred eighty thousand, um, and it needs no repairs whatsoever. But uh, it's the only way we do those. We don't, like, I wouldn't want to flip a house like that. I'd rather do the 150s, you know, 160, 200,000. Yeah, cookie cutter. Cookie cutter ones yeah. that. 
We always joke around, you know, we do houses that uh, the manager at the McDonald's can pay for. Right. <laughs> exactly. Those are the cookie cutters, the sweet spot, right? We love those. You know, we'll do those all day long. We'll do uh, better deals and stuff on those kind of houses. Those are great. The, we're trying to shy away from the more expensive ones because yep. it's just more risk. Unless it's one of our preferred flippers who knows what they're doing and got, got, the, got the pockets, right? Yeah. And they can take a hit. But if a guy has only got $30,000 – He's trying to take a big one down. That thirty thousand, he'll he'll go to past zero in a heartbeat. No, no, you'll end up finishing the rehab, uh, pretty yeah. much when because they're gonna run out of money at some point, and if they don't have multiple streams of income, then for them it's easier just to walk away and say, you know what, this real estate thing doesn't work for me. I'd rather go, I don't know, do network marketing or whatever, no risk involved, or maybe go go get a job, you know. Right. And we try to solve that problem up front, though. So we try to, you know. Since I've flipped close to seventy houses myself, okay, and we've been you know, we've done a couple hundred loans now, right? So we look at a lot of deals, and I can tell people you're paying too much, right? You know, we can coach him a little bit, and if I don't think he's going to be successful, I just say, look, I can lend this much, <laughs> and that's it. You put the rest. And if you think it's really a good deal, you got to put your cash up. But I really think you just walk away from this one, mm-hmm. right? Because no deal is a billion times better than a bad deal. Yeah. Right. And especially if you don't have that much cash. Now, and Rick, let's get a little bit or dig a little bit into, you know, the private lending itself. So there's people, you know, watching or listening to us right now that might be thinking, okay, so if I'm one of those persons that don't necessarily need to be firsthand involved with the flip, but I have some money that I would like to lend, what's the process like? I mean... Some people don't even know, I mean, do they need to uh, get certified or how does it work for someone that, you know, is thinking about growing their their retirement money in a way that's different from the stock market or your normal venue? So so the private money is really not regulated, right? I can I can loan you money. Mm-hmm. I can loan you money and there's no one to say I can't do it. Right. All right. So that's really what the private money is about, right? Um, and I can partner with you. You can say I got fifty thousand dollars, Ricardo. Can say I got fifty thousand. Can you know? Uh, I need some place to put it. And so okay, great. Just give it with me. We can get you a ten percent, eleven, twelve, maybe twelve percent return, depending mm-hmm. on on the deal. Um, and that's what we do. A lot of our oil and gas people have cash. It was sitting in the bank, making no percent. You know, half a percent. Right. Uh, our biggest lender now had over a million dollars to sit in the bank doing nothing. Now she gets about yeah. ten thousand dollar a month interest check. Right. You know, um, and we do all the work. She cashes all the checks. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Oh. And um, so we, you know, that's what a lot of people like is the fact that there's folks like us. And there's a few of us, actually, there's, I'm part of a little bit of a, a part of a private money lender little club. Okay. There's like seven or eight of us. We meet about once a quarter, mm-hmm. share stories, especially about bad contractors, mm-hmm. bad this, bad that. You know, we always want to find out who's making the industry bad and just make sure that, you know, those people, you know, go to a different business. Right, right, we, right. We want to clean this, you know, but we, there are certain people we will not loan to. There's certain contractors. So we all know them. So if someone co- always ask who's going to do your rehab and if they're going to say blah, 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 and now uh, you find their contractor. That's just in our little area. He's messed up too many people, cost them too many hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. And there's people out there that have cost people hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars, right? Absolutely. And so that's another way that we protect 
some of our borrowers. That, that's good to hear. That uh, we got know, this I, intel, I, right? Because you've seen us private money lenders. We probably do several hundred loans, mm-hmm. and some of these con- ad contractors will reach some of these unknowing borrowers Absolutely. and wreck them, right? Mm-hmm. And we so we try to protect our people as much as we can and uh, give them that guidance. And uh, then it's up to them, uh, you know. But if you're going to use so and so, now go to another lender. We, we've <laughs> actually had it too, to where we had our own guy. I'll give you an example. In uh, in uh, and I know I'll probably sound like a like a beating the dead horse with Dennis, but when Harvey happened, we had 45 direct employees working in our houses because we are contractors. So we had our own contracting deal. We don't make money on that. We just use it for liability purposes. You know, you separate the houses from from the work being done, and you subcontract all the guys on 1099s and all of that on that company, and then they go do the work. Well, Harvey came in. We were doing 16 houses, and now there's no workers because they all go chase the $25 an hour demolition job. Um, And they pretty much told us, like, hey, that's it. We're, we we got this better offer with food included, hotels paid for. Per diems. And per diem. And you're like, so where do I get contractors? So now you used to pay 35 bucks and uh, a, a, a sheet of drywall with texture and paint. Now it's 150 And you're like, holy crap. So that can, that can ruin somebody's life. Um, luckily for us, uh, we went and, number one, we found more houses. We went and found other people, but we still couldn't replenish the amount of people we lost um, the last year. We're barely getting back into where we're hiring more people again to start putting more more, more projects out quicker. But uh, we suffered for a good, what, eight, eight months, almost yeah, a year? Almost a year. Almost a year. Like, And we lived up from the wholesale deals. We were wholesaling just to pay um, finished houses. Oh, and then on top of that, now your houses are on the market for seven, eight, nine months. And you're having to discount. It's, it's them. like the perfect storm. It's like the perfect, <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and you know, and I, I, we've been lucky enough to where we're going we're gonna to survive. That, you know, there's no, no doubts about it. Uh, especially we've been having some very successful months lately. Um, but I know there's a lot of people out there that they can't, they, they can't go about it because they depleted their funds already. Maybe they tapped out on their 401ks and their 401ks are depleted. They don't have, they still can't find good contractors because there's still some labor uh, challenges out there of finding. Now you have, you can find more people that are available to work, uh, but they're still with a Harvey mentality. Oh, it's $150. So, you know, no, the the Harvey's long gone, buddy. You know, uh, the house is flooded and it's still flooded. So they're not in a rush to fix it anymore. Um, so we've been lately contracting new general contractors that are coming in the market that are actually doing a great job and are putting our houses quicker. So, but if I don't think if we had different fronts, I don't know if we would have been only flipping. I don't know if we would have really survived, to be honest with you. Because one of the one of the big companies in town, especially they, they specialize on the east side, probably had 30 deals going, and they weren't so lucky. They didn't get their houses finished. They didn't get the houses sold. Couldn't meet payroll. They were flying high. They were going to every Quest event, every re-event. Probably raised, you know, tens of millions of dollars for their funds. And you know, during the summer they imploded. Yeah. Um, we had a couple of loans we had to take back, 
uh, one will be fine on, the other one uh, we won't be fine on. <laughs> right, right. And yeah, because so you, you always got to take your losses too, right? I mean, it, right. that's the truth side of, of, of the deal itself, Rick, is that a lot of people out there in the real estate world, they only talk about the pretty things. Oh, I make 10% here. I make 12% data. And I hear some private lenders sometimes on how they squeeze money out of their lenders or their borrowers. And I was like, man, these guys don't know what they're doing. I mean, if they work with their borrower to where the borrower is successful, they won't have to worry about qualifying another borrower later on because they just keep loaning to the same guy who's going to continue to put out properties. But if you're squeezing the guy out, you know, and you might not be giving him, and I'm, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about a, a lender in, you know, in general, um, they will, they're going to put their own clients out of business uh, at one point or another just because they're just uh, working for the yield. They're not really working for maybe creating a lot of employment, uh, getting a good return on their, on their investment as well, helping that guy be successful so he can make more money. That way he can come back and borrow more money. Um, and I've seen that happen uh, in the last year or so. Um, I'm not going to mention any names or anything like that. We just don't do, you know, business with them. Uh, right. And that's, you know, and we won't do a loan unless there's enough meat on the bone. We, do, right. we want the borrower to be, we don't want to find a bunch of new borrowers. Right. We want to continue to work with repeat borrowers. Exactly. And we want them to be successful. Right. And a lot of people are, are that way. And you find out who the good ones are. The good ones will actually make their deal work. Or they'll take a hit uh, and make things right. Mm -hmm. Some people, but everybody's in that position, right? Financially, they can't make it right, and they have to stick it back to the lender. Uh, but there's also bad lenders out there. Yeah, uh, that's but you. That's what you touched on. There's uh, one lender ruined a bunch of people in the Heights a few years ago. Yeah, and we had a couple loans. Uh, we had one loan. We did one deal like that, where it was a second position, uh, but that one lender wasn't funding the rehabs. He was just doing first position. He, he, well, he first had, but he wasn't when they did the draws. They didn't have the money. Oh, so now the guy has to wait forty-five days or so to get his, get his draw. Well, his oh trades left, so a nine-month schedule went to eighteen months, and these are on seven hundred thousand dollar loans. And still charging interest rates. Oh, well, that was the thing, right? So he's still charging the interest. Uh, the, the Dutch call it the Dutch interest on all that, and he didn't have the funds, and so. One of, the, one of our borrowers. Look, that happened to me once with a lender that we have, and we actually love this guy. But it's because he he was stretching himself out on the money he was loaning out. Uh, but he told me, he said, hey, man, I'm going to be late on your draw in the next couple of weeks. Number one, I'm going to be out of town. Number two, I haven't been paid back some money, and I'm I'm in a bind. I said no problems, but he, but he he came he came forward, you know, a, a couple of weeks in, he came in, he gave us a loan, and then he apologized and everything else, and we're still doing business together, right? So, I'm not only expecting them to understand us when we, you know, go through some maybe some issues or challenges. I also understand the lender on why, especially when you're working with a person, it's not an entity like a bank or whatever where they got this pile of money you know and and that is what private lending is it's, right it's a you know people business people doing business with people not necessarily a big institution where you don't even know who the ceo is or you know the people that uh, make decisions this is more a people's business it is know, a people's business uh, as strict there is a property involved and that property serves as a collateral just that's just to secure the money from the investors 
But at the end of the day, the private lender will loan money to the who, the person who they feel comfortable with. Correct. Otherwise, they're not going to do it. Anyways, we are at the end of the first episode with Rick Bressler. Stay tuned. Next week, Renovating Riches Radio podcast. Go on renovatingrichesradio.com. Give us a review. We we ask you that please you uh, do a five star review, no less than that. Um, that's actually Dennis's request. <laughs> and share the, the the program with your friends, family, people that you think might be interested in uh, the subjects that we bring. Uh, sorry, we bring to you. Um, but we're gonna have Rick here for part two next week. Next week, um, I'm gonna give you just in case you miss. But man, you know what? I'm not gonna give you anything. You gotta go watch the next one. No, I'm just kidding. Capital, uh, Katie Capital Investments, and you want to Rick, uh, Rich, uh, Rick at Rick R I C K Bressler B R E S L E R at Katie, which is a K and Y. Of course, if you're he's only loaning in the Houston area, so um, if you're from out of town, I'm sorry. Don't call uh, if you're don't, from don't Alabama. Don't call him if you're in like Atlanta or something. Like, I just threw a deal to him in Atlanta. He's like, no thanks. Uh, KatieCapitalInvestments.com. And as for Terry or Johnny, 713-408-2740. Stay tuned on the next one. Thank you. <laughs>